Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. This is John Christopher for Real Life, and today we're going across the sound to New Canaan, Connecticut, where we're going to talk with one of the top producers for William Pitt, Christine Williams. Hi, Christine. How are you today? Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing great, you know, uh, and I'm sure you're doing great also in New Canaan, and that's what I'm really curious about that. Now, let me ask you, you've been a resident of New Canaan for the last 30 years, right? I have been, yes. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how time flies? Oh, it is amazing. It I just can't believe the day. I remember the day we moved here. No kidding. Well, what were you doing before you moved there? Um, before I moved here. Oh, I didn't okay. Um, I started my it was so long ago we forgot. I know. Now I forgot everything. (laughs) Um, I started my career on Wall Street with uh Shearson Lehman. Well, at that time it was Shearson Low Broads, and then it became Lehman Lehman Brothers, and And then uh, Lehman Brothers became not right, yeah. But I was long gone by then, thankfully. Um, but sadly, also, um. And my husband grew up in Greenwich, and um, he always wanted, obviously, to come back to Connecticut. We were living in Brooklyn Heights uh, then, and then we moved over to New Jersey, and we has, had this beautiful townhouse right on the Hudson River. Mm. And um, oh, it was you know right across. It from, lovely. Yeah. It was lovely, right across from uh, 79th Street. When you're on the West Side Highway, you look across. And it was beautiful. And, you know, we had two kids and then we started looking and we became house buyers and home buyers. And um, I laughed to myself from time to time because, um, you know, we all as realtors have our eternal clients or what they feel like that we deal with for so many years and they don't they never pull the trigger. (laughs) <laughs> and and I laugh and I look back because I think we were one of those. <laughs> My poor realtor, who I'm I'm still friends with here, right? Is um, you know, and I just look at her and I say, gosh, you know. Some of my clients, I love them all, but you know, I look back and I think, whoa, I really, I drove you nuts for two years. Right. But- yeah, it's funny, you know. Speaking of uh, uh, clients, my worst client was my wife. well she's the boss right you work for her what else is new (laughs) happy wife happy life right exactly (laughs) and i used to you know as as for clients you know you take them around and they decide and every time i'd show her something that i liked she'd go are you crazy (laughs) (laughs) finally after many showings it was like i was ready to you know, let's move on. <laughs> we're not moving. How long? How long were you showing our homes? Uh, too long. It seemed like it went on forever. Yes. Oh gosh! Oh. We were living in Shelter Island at the time, and oh, she, and she didn't want to. She didn't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> why course, would she? Uh, why would she? Well, I wanted to leave because I had this notion of that. What happens at two o'clock in the morning? You say, "Ah, oh, where can I go and get a, a quart of milk?" There's no Seven <laughs> Eleven. Uh huh. Yeah. And when we finally moved to, to Sag Harbor, um, you know, she asked me one day, she says, 
have you gone to a 7-Eleven at two in the morning anytime? <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> but you could if you, you wanted. Could. That was the thing. You could. <laughs> yes, that is the thing. When you always want what you can't have, right? Exactly. So let me ask you, what was it like, okay, 30 years ago as compared to, to uh, today in New Canaan? Um, you know, you must have seen quite a change go on. Quite a change. Um, I would say, you know, it was more rural than it is now. Um, and, and that's kind of hard to believe because New Canaan is very rural. But, you know, we used to see more trees lining the road, you know, the main roads where, you know, now a lot of the those homes over, well, over the past 30 years or so, you know, if you had a small little antique sitting on the road, which is, you know, historic and, and that's kind of what, what it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, they might've been added to. And then in the process of doing that, you know, trees are taken down. Um, but I don't want to make it sound like it's Arizona cause it's not, it's, it's not like that at all. Um, I, I think in the past 15 years or maybe even 10 years, really, we're seeing more and more younger couples, younger families coming out more, more and more. And maybe it's, you know, pandemic related. We can talk about That's that. That's what I was going to ask you. You think it's uh, pandemic related? Um, well, the last couple of years, yes. But I, I think that has accelerated the move. So if a young family was, you know, in the city, West Village, Upper East Side, Upper West, wherever, they might have said, you know, we'll wait until fifth grade or, you know, get the child older and then come out. But the pandemic made them come. Sooner. So um, our inventory is basically nothing anymore. Uh, our inventory is down 28 percent year over year. Um, and, and I think the pandemic has really done a, a great thing. I can't say the pandemic was good. It really helped the housing industry in most towns and in most states, for that matter, right, because right. it uh, cleared it out. We 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 were suffering there for a while. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. on the market. I know. I I just uh, skip over. I know you handle yeah. other areas besides uh, New Canaan. Yes. And one of the things I remember a few years back was uh, Greenwich, where. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, you know, it's a hyperbole I'm saying here, you know, they couldn't give away the homes, but, you know, all these high-end homes were sitting on the market for some time. And what's that like now? Um, Well, Greenwich has cleared out a lot of of their inventory. I don't know the exact stats on them, but I, I would think it's about the same as New Canaan, um, because people that um, want to come out from the city, because that's we see the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, they may get priced out of Greenwich, um, and then they come north to New Canaan. We seem to get the same uh, buyer profile. Um, but yeah, they they done very well in the upper end in the luxury market, which is you know that backcountry, Round Hill Road, um, Upper Lake Avenue. I mean, there have been some major homes that have traded. I mean, we're talking 10, 20 million and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's incredible. And, you know, to that point, Darien and New Canaan has seen that too. I mean, there, there are some amazing properties in Darien on Long Neck Point, um, down in the Tokenique section, Delafield Island, you know, right on beautiful Long Island Sound. 
that uh, turned over in the past couple of years. And it's just, you know, 10 million, 8 million. It's like nothing. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, another area you have is uh, Westport. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think you, I, I saw that you did some sales there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what is that area like? I was there. 20 years ago, I would say, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it's changed quite a bit. You know, everything seems to change in, uh, in decades, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Westport has a lot of um, more new construction. So um, Westport, Darien, Greenwich, they're on the main line of Metro North. So New Canaan is a spur on the Metro North. So what that means is it takes maybe 10 minutes longer on the on Metro North. So some people like to stay on the main line. Um, so you you know you're on that with Westport. Westport is uh, a bigger town than New Canaan Darien. Um, it's more in line with Greenwich, but you get more for your money compared to Greenwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, the homes are lovely, lovely. And a lot of you know that you know that look uh, John, that uh, farmhouse look with the black windows, we call it transitional. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of that in Westport. So it's really more new construction then, is what you're saying. A lot of it is new construction. Yes, a lot. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting in, in our market. It seems like um, that's what the millennials that are <laughs> that are very attracted to now. It's like nobody wants to go into a, a home and... Uh, do renovation seems it's like give me the key does it open up the front door and everything's there great yeah they don't they don't want to do a lot of work you know maybe you know we're starting to see um a little bit more interest in properties that have an acre plus um acre and a half maybe even two acres that seems to be the sweet spot um but they don't want to do the work they don't want to you know gone or the, you know, 30 years ago where you have four acres and you want to mow the lawn yourself on a Saturday, they want to be able to um, spend their time on the soccer field more or do something they want to do, play golf, because we're, we see more, um, both parents are working outside mm-hmm. the home. I mean, obviously now, you know, many people are still work from home, but prior to the pandemic, they were um, working all week. So they really choose to spend Saturday and Sunday more so with their family and not um, be outside mowing the grass and, you know, blowing leaves. Right, right, right. Uh, from New Canaan, how long does it take uh, to commute to the city? Oh, about an hour. Um, Metro North is running a little bit slower now across the line up and down the coast, um, but about an hour. And hmm. So Westport's about eight minutes shorter. It's it's not a big difference, um, but it, it's not bad. I mean, the yeah. beauty of New Canaan is the train is waiting for you when you get on in the morning. Oh, so the train starts. So that's the there. beginning. That's the beginning. Yes, yes, I it's the spur. That. Oh, that's interesting. So it goes it goes from New Canaan and then makes a couple of stops. Um, one being Stamford and then Express into New York. Huh, fascinating. Jeez. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, has it New Canaan become more crowded since people uh, are spending more time uh, in the home? Yes. Going to the village. Yes, and New Canaan seems to be 
the town that everyone wants to come to at night for restaurants and also during the day. We have we have the best restaurants, um, better than really Darien and and in a sense Westport. Um, Westport's on the Post Road, um, and Darien also is the Post Road. So we're on you know a small area of Elm Street and Main Street. So you see a lot of people walking around, but we get a lot of people coming in, and also people, John from you know Bedford and Pound Ridge. You know, going the northern uh, Westchester area because it's maybe ten minutes away. So they, you see a lot of New York cars, and they're not necessarily from New York City; they're from Westchester. Because uh, they they're working out in that area. Uh huh. Yeah, oh, or they live sense. there, or they okay. live there. Ah, yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. What kind of advice do you give to uh, first time buyers coming into the market, especially now? You know, um, be patient. <laughs> Um, because it is you know there's not a lot to choose from Um, go to open houses public opens walk in them Um, I would suggest well I'm a realtor so I'm going to suggest that everybody find an agent to work for you because in this market in particular I know that there are properties coming on the market in, you know, I I know either my colleagues or myself, you know, someone's going to list in February and I know that, but, you know, the average person looking at just houses online or just going to open houses unrepresented isn't going to know that. Um, I would also really recommend, especially in this market, somebody fall in love with a town first, you know, figure out which town you want to live in because then it makes it easier. How can somebody uh, get in touch with you to, to, uh, you know, show them the rope, so to speak? Oh, I would love that. Um, My cell phone, they can call me or text me is 203-856-7559. Or you can, anyone, you also, John can email me. Send and me. What's your email? And my email is C as in Christine Williams, W I L L I A M S at Whipser, which is William Pitt Sotheby's International Realty.com. Beautiful. Christine Williams, it's been a delight having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting in the wonderful village of Southampton, New York on the only NPR station on Long Island. So stay tuned to where you are, WLIW 88.3 FM, because we'll be right back with our next guest. Welcome back to Real Life. And this is your host, John Christopher. And today we're going out to the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And we also have one of the leading brokers in the Telluride uh, real estate community, and that is Lars Carlson. Lars, how are you today? Great, Greg. Glad to be invited on the uh, the show, John. Oh, my pleasure. You know, because uh, I, I haven't been to Telluride, but I, I'm sure it's it's fabulous, and you're going to tell us all about it. But before you do that, I have to ask you a silly question. When you get to, I know you're an avid skier, so when you get to the top of the slopes, do you sometimes hum? Rocky Mountain High. 
Um, I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> That's the first thing I would do if I got up there. I go Rocky Mountain. I, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm I'm being I silly. Have, you know, I have sung it at other times with friends, but uh, not on top of the slopes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you've been uh, out there what over 35 years, and I think in real estate also. So was yep. Telluride a sleepy town back 35 years ago, and how has it changed? Absolutely. I mean, I I moved here in the winter of 1985, and at the time, um, you know, the roads in the mountain village weren't paved. None of the alleys in Telluride were paved. Uh, it was a really sleepy town, and once the ski area closed, you could literally take a nap on Main Street and not get hit by a car. And since then, you know, progressively, you know, it's interesting. I, I tell people this quite a bit that you know, when I moved to Telluride, the world population was 4 billion and now we're, we're almost to 8 billion. So I think, you know, everywhere, especially resort communities and beautiful areas feel, are feeling the pressure of more people, but, you know, it, it's happened gradually. And then I think with COVID, it really um, accelerated uh, the amount of people here, but it's still a wonderful place to, to be. So it's really picked up. I mean, uh, what's the, the population? It must Today, do you have any uh, guesstimates on that? The yeah, I mean the the uh, census said we're at twenty three hundred people, which mm-hmm. is basically the size of a large high school. Right. And even when I moved here thirty five years ago, the the, the population town was probably about eighteen hundred to two thousand. Oh. So that population hasn't changed much. What's really changed is the population in the outer lying areas, whether you're mm-hmm. talking Mountain Village or any of the other subdivisions or on the mesas. Huh. That is that is interesting. So the outside areas, what are they like? I mean, uh, is Telluride the like the main foot, you know, because I haven't been there. So I'm trying to get a an idea. Is it the main focal point? And does uh, these outside areas, are they more attracting more people going there because they don't necessarily want to be in Telluride and they want to be a little bit more isolated? I, so, you know, Telluride is a, a, a small little mining town. It's literally right in the heart of the mountains. And so um, geographically, we're limited to the amount, the, the size that we can grow as a town because we've got sheer, sheer mountains on the side of our, the, what would it be, the south, the north, and the east sides of our town. And then you can only drive in and out through the, the western side of Telluride. Um, you know, I think, what, you know, the town of Telluride, the, the average size of a lot is 25 by 100 feet. And so I think some people coming from other areas want to experience a little bit more privacy. I mean, you know, your house is literally six feet away from the next door neighbors with the setbacks. And so some people gravitate towards the mountain village, which the lots average, you know, an acre to two acres. Um, And then the other subdivisions, you know, they're three acres to seven acres up to 35 acres and beyond. And so I think a lot of it is just depending on how much privacy the people want or how many how many acres they want to 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 kind of enjoy hmm. um that's kind of interesting what you're saying because i'm thinking uh your buyers where are they coming from i would say i would say um you know 25 to 30 percent are coming from texas and then texas. we've got a you know nobody from california from, you think uh, oh yeah california new york chicago seattle um all over now are they coming out there buying seasonal homes or are they buying now because of uh, the pandemic uh buying you know 
permanent residents? I would say the majority are buying seasonal homes, mm -hmm. though what we did see the last two summers and uh, probably the last ski season was that our second homeowners are, are you know, part-time locals were enjoying their, their homes uh, to a greater degree. Uh, and, and, you know, when you can't travel to Europe or Asia, you're kind of stuck. And so a lot of people go, well, we're just going to go up to Telluride for three months, uh, three or four months. And especially uh, when you can work uh, virtually, it makes it very easy for people to do that. We did see an influx in the school system of roughly 80 kids in the last two years. I, I think that's going to subside a little bit as people go back uh, to a more normal work situation. Right. Huh. Um, that's, that, you know, it's, I'm thinking about it. Um, so was your business affected by the pandemic? Absolutely. I, you know, I can remember when they closed the ski areas all throughout Colorado, March 13th, I think of uh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. 2020. Uh, telling my wife, you know, we got to batten down the hatchets because we just hatches because we just don't know uh, how long this recession will last. And it turned, you know, we started getting phone calls within a couple of weeks, people looking for rentals. And most of those rentals were absorbed within a, the first month. And then we started seeing people coming out in June. And uh, what really, with the demand, pricing soared. And so that's the biggest thing we've seen, pricing soared. And then there was such a lack of um, inventory because people didn't want to sell, not knowing whether they could buy back into the market. And so people just held on and we, our, our inventory is been dramatically uh, decreased. Hmm. It's pretty much the same. It seems like that uh, across the country. Um, yeah. When you you were talking about rentals, you know, uh, here when we had the uh, pandemic, we had a lot of uh, sight unseen rentals. In other words, people never saw the property, and then some people got came and were disappointed because they hadn't seen it. Did you have any of those uh, uh, circumstances? Not, not personally. Um, what I did here, you know, some people rented sight unseen, came here and then purchased something after they spent uh, a couple of weeks to a, you know, or to, to the, or the, you know, a couple of months, they just, they transitioned, transitioned into a, a more permanent situation. Okay. Uh, based on the, the, what's happening now, what do you tell first time uh, home buyers coming into the market? Wow. I mean, should they be prepared, be ready to go? I mean, is the uh, is the the time span that a, a property comes on the market to when it, a, a contract is drawn, is that decreasing? It, it decreased dramatically. And so if you have a property that comes on that's priced appropriately, um, it will go under contract within a week or two. Um, you need to understand, you know, with a, and I know you're kind of a, second home market as well, but, uh, but then you have a lot, I think you have a lot more locals or full-time residents. But what we see is in the, uh, I would say pre-pandemic homes were on the market for 12 to 18 months on average. And so what we're seeing is a dramatic reduction of days on the market. You're seeing people, homes go under contract if priced appropriately within a week or two. Wow. I, I think I was talking to someone in Bend, Oregon, one of the, uh, agents there and she was saying four days it's it's like old hat if it doesn't uh, have uh, an offer and acceptance <laughs> yeah and i i think you know we've got such a great demand within the town of telluride that if something comes on that 
you know, people start calling their clients immediately and saying, you have to jump on it. I mean, right now, the least expensive house in town is 3.75 million. <clears throat> is that like that a needs starter to be home? Fully remodeled. Is that a starter home or? That's, that's the pricing of our starter homes. Yes. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I know um, <clears throat> Silicon Valley, you know, uh, that has in that price range for starter homes, but I had no uh, idea that that was also where you are. Boy. Well, you know, what, and what we're seeing, John, is in the, in the past, we had those little minor homes that, you know, you could pick up for 800 to a million. Most of the people that own those right now aren't selling. And the other problem is a lot, uh, you know, the, the time it takes to, 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 to remodel and build or reconstruct one of those homes into a larger home is roughly, you know, two to four years, depending. Two to and four so, years? Well, we've got a, a very strict historical architectural review committee. And right now, you know, it's going to take you roughly six months to get an architect to be able to start working on it. And then to go through the, the historical review is another six months. And then construction is going to be anywhere from 14 to 18 months. So it's a, it's a, a longer process, so, which is why we're seeing the demand for finished homes so high. Right. So our builders, um, I mean, you know, two to four years, that's a, a long-term commitment. Are there mm -hmm. um, any hesitancy, especially, is there any slowing down? That's, I guess that's what I'm asking. Um, I think we're starting to see things plateau. I, I don't, I think there's still people out there. I think there's still a high level demand. And what we're just not seeing is a, a lot of, of inventory coming back on the market like we expected. Mm, interesting. So uh, going into the winter uh, season, this is probably the high point for you. Um, are rentals um, at an all time high? Yeah. They're, 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 they're almost non-existent for long-term rentals. It's very so, difficult to find them or they're, in, they're to find something for a couple months. Yeah. It's, wow. I, you know, I, I was looking for um, a friend yesterday and, you know, he's looking at two months in July. I mean, two weeks in July. And that's, that's actually relatively easy. It's more for the longer term rentals, but just because the price, the pricing has gone up so much. Gotcha. And, and interesting. Now what's it, what's it like uh, off season? Is the summer nice out there? You know, the summer's wonderful, uh, but it is, you know, a little bit more crowded. We have more, you know, daytime traffic, people driving in to check out Telluride. I would, I would argue that I think most of the locals love the off season. Like right now you, it, it's just a, a quieter pace of life, a slower pace of life. And um, it's still beautiful and you can, you can do hikes and, and biking. And it, it's just wonderful until the snow starts flying. And we just got an inch last night but I'm sure we'll still see people hiking on all the trails. Wow. I know you're on the um, Telluride uh, Volunteer Fire Department. Did you have any issues with fires like they had in California and Oregon? No, we've, we've been pretty lucky. The, the 2004 was the last really, I mean, we've been in a drought situation, but this summer we had a, a, a really good rainy season during the summer, which which really benefited us as far as, um, the drought, but no, it, we, it hasn't, we really haven't had a, a serious threat since 2004. Hmm. That's good. That's great to hear. Um, growing up, did you have any mentors that gave you advice that you still use today? Hmm. In real estate or in life? Just in life, you know, so, and things that actually you can apply to, uh, to real estate. 
I think as we age, we absorb a lot of knowledge. And I, I, can't, I can't specifically say one mentor. Um, you know, Nels Carey, who was the broker for Sotheby's in Telluride for 20 years, and I started working for him, I think, in 1997. He's probably been my biggest mentor, just a wonderful human being, wonderful individual. Um, no, but I learned a lot to, from him. It's good to have uh, mentors, you know. I mean, they really are uh, assets in our life. But if yeah. someone had some uh, more questions for you, especially about Telluride, how could they get in contact with you? John, uh, they can reach me on my um, my phone, which is 970-729-0160, or they could email me at LarsCarlson1 at Mac.com. Lars Carlson, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the vibrant village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or any other podcast, go to WLIW.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. And by the way, don't forget to have a great Thanksgiving. And in the meantime... Be sure to have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life, right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at WLIW.org radio.